Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Waves of Change. I'm Dr. Man Kit Lee, a clinical psychologist practicing here in San Francisco. And I'm back here again with my good friend, colleague, therapist, Diana Chu, who's also here in San Francisco. Diana, how are you today? Yes, I'm good. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, something interesting. A lot of uh, Karens and Kevins that's um, in our memes nowadays. And so we decided to talk about that. Oh, oh yeah, it's a uh, it's incredibly exciting. I I am very excited about this particular topic. <laughs> There's so many Kevin's and Karens. Of course, we the the meme Karen is getting popular, right? And then yes. they're the male version, and people can't decide is it Ken or Kevin. I decided to go with Kevin. It sounds a little bit better for me. Yeah, I think we well, like it's a gender thing, but at the same time, we want to be inclusive, like because um, it happens in both genders. We want to or, be inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Karens and Kevins. So a little bit of history for those who don't know. So the Karen the Karen meme essentially describes uh, typically a white woman, a mm-hmm. heterosexual, uh, like Protestant Christian white women. And the, the meme is about them going into, like, say, Target, right? Some kind of convenience <laughs> store. And then they're, they're, they're not being catered to because yes. of their whiteness and they're to ask to speak to the manager. Yeah. Right? And they have this Karen haircut, so on and so forth. And so it's like the customer is always right to the extreme, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, it started with customers always right. Right. Cause it did start in that service industry. Mm-hmm. But I think in the recent, you know, weeks and months where, you know, black lives matter is getting a lot of traction. Finally, yes. um, where the meme has been kind of spreading, to talk about uh, not just entitlement uh, because the customer's always right, but entitlement mm-hmm. because, you know, she's white or they're white. Yeah. Entitlement of whiteness. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Entitlement of whiteness. So what do you think? I think it's a very interesting uh, phenomenon. And I think it's 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 uh, not like atypical like it, I think there are Karens in a lot of different cultures as well. Mm-hmm. Like in in Chinese, it might be like I don't know, Daima or Gonglo, right? <laughs> like someone who is entitled to do that. Absolutely, but- I do think that Karen. I don't think Karen is as much to do with a specific race, but it's yes. more to do with class, mm. right? Because I, I I remember right, say back in. China, um, I have relatives live in Hong Kong, right? And when they go to like mainland China, like the 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 more you know rural area, rural area they're treated okay. as like yeah. a higher class, and they see themselves as a higher class of people, and mm-hmm. they're extremely caring about everything. Like yeah. the best seats in the top place, right? The best seat, <laughs> the best, the freshest dim sum for them. It's it's crazy. So yeah. I think Karen's not. It's I think it's about entitlement and class. Entitlement in class. Yeah. I think in, in America, it's a, a little bit more with um, uh, whiteness, uh, like fragility, um, also race come into the play as well, adding to that, um, which is more complex, I think. Uh-huh. Can you say more? Well, tell me about the, the, the concept of uh, white fragility. I think uh, white fragility is basically um how the whiteness is, is fragile like the identity of whiteness uh really trans uh translates 
in a way where um like there's like it's it's like a hollow shell well uh-huh. like when when the whiteness is disappearing if you take away the whiteness a lot of things or concepts is like crumbled inside that's how i see it how do you see it i think white fragility is it's the nature of unseen privilege and the well the, the thing about unseen privilege is that when it's seen right mm-hmm. then it gets into like the kind of dissonance kind of area of like oh i thought i believe in quality but now that i'm like if as a white person they might see that um they believe in equality they believe they are treated equal etc mm-hmm. but then when they're confronted with um privilege right oppression right so we're talking about the um the 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 white identity development model here um so when you're confronted with these particular ideal ideals and kind of facts uh, it generates a lot of anxiety within them mm-hmm. men's like mm-hmm. i'm not a racist right and i think white fragility kind of talks about that that anxiety how the anxiety of um I'm not a racist kind of overshadows the mm-hmm. living process and mm-hmm. it kind of keep a person stuck. Yeah. And also um, the implicit bias, right? If there, you are shown uh, to people about like the research um, on implicit bias, how you are reacting faster or like um, react, reacting um, uh, your brain kind of like there's a research uh that is conducted that I read about where when you are seeing a black person's face and your brain is like wired to um, connect that face mm-hmm. to something bad that happens. And you have to go, go to the website. I think um, there's some study online. We could link it after, after this podcast um, mm-hmm. on testing yourself. Um, if you have implicit bias on those things too. And so like, I think it's important um, like when a white person is confronted with that result, it's it's pretty hard to swallow. Yeah, um, yeah. And there's such a wonderful article that discussed uh, that discusses the whole sh- situation with uh, Sasha Exeter, Exeter and Jessica Moroni. I familiar mm-hmm. with that toast saga. No, can you tell me more? Yeah. So Jessica Jessica Moroni is a very famous um shuttle and designer and she's really good friends with um oh god megan megan markle oh okay yeah so uh, they're like they're essentially best friends like that's a bestie so uh and sasha exeter is a is a black influencer and Mm -hmm. she's a single mother and she is she is doing her you know, doing what she feel passionate about. That's to, to kind of advocate for uh, for equality, right? So one of the things she did was to reach out to Jessica uh, and ask Jessica to use her platform to fight for Black Lives Matter. It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, you need to do this, but it's more like, hey, I think you can benefit, you know, man, humankind by doing this. Okay. And in response, Jessica was, how could you? How dare you? Don't talk to me. Uh, it makes, makes a lot of threats, right? Like, oh, uh, wow. I'll destroy you, essentially, kind of stuff like that. And then, of course, all that blew up, and then it all backfired. But one thing that 
I want to point out is in Sasha's kind of like coming out, telling the world what had happened in that video. One sentence she said in there was, I'm not saying Jessica is a racist. Mm. Right. So that was a very interesting sentence because uh, the author of this article, we can also link that article later. Others of the article argued that uh, a lot of people of color have to include that sentence just to kind of go around white fragility. Because I'm mm. starting to say, hey, you're being racist right now. You'll shut people down and they won't they refuse to, you know, they refuse yeah. to grow, right? And so the, the idea of like when you confront someone uh, with, uh, you know, a very strong opposing view, like rather than having a mutual conversation, you'd like immediately shut it down. So because there's a lot of shame, guilt, um, anger, that might frustration that might have raised in it. So we have to be creative about like how can we go around that when we're having discussions mm-hmm. um, and, and or even confronting a friend um, who you care about uh, on on their viewpoints in life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a it's a challenging dynamic for people of color having to do that particular dance, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So the recent the the see the most recent. Um, Karens we've seen is Amy Cooper, people call it a Central Park Karen. Yes, right. the, the person who um, was on the uh, call mm-hmm. um, because uh, she saw a black uh, a black man was telling her to leash her dog up, right? Right, and, then, right. and that's the video that came up. I think I think she's getting charged uh, today. Um, on <laughs> there's some news around it today. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's it's it, it because of the light shining the light on these things on these interactions because of like social media the video its accessibility you know um, I, I think people will have to hold more accountable of like what their actions are absolutely and I think this has been happening for many many of years it just recently our phone cameras has gone good enough yeah. that we can post these stuff, right? And fast enough, right? Absolutely, right? And you also have uh, Lisa Lisa Alexander right here in San Francisco, right? She's this mm-hmm. owner of her own um, beauty line, and she confronted a San Francisco Filipino native in front of his own house and was questioning him about you know, what he wants to do with his property. And it's yeah. this idea of like, oh, you could not, po- you're not a white person. You cannot possibly live in this affluent neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. It's us versus you, this classes. And it's communicated through all that. And I think what kind of marks a quote unquote Karen or Kevin from, you know, other racist, oppressive interactions is that the, the Karens and Kevins, they weaponize their race. Mm. Right, and, and they use their privilege. They use their privilege and weaponized it, and I think that's the key here. Mm. Right, they it's just like unconscious or even semi-conscious understanding that their whiteness, people would jump to protect their whiteness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Doctor Lee, like, let's say we have a scenario. Right, we can have the scenario of like challenging a Karen or being a bystander. Like, let's start with, like, the bystander scenario. Like, when you see an interaction of, like, a Karen or Kevin with another person, like, what is some of the things that you will think about or some of the things that 
like we could creatively do um, as members in the community? I don't have an answer for you, Diana. I think for me, is I'm not yet done processing, right? Mm-hmm. It's cultural, wonderful cultural shift that we have. There's a part of me that wants to be you know, inclusive and be like, yeah, you know, if I see someone being a Karen, you know, how can I have a, like a, a conversation with them and mm-hmm. lead them to growth, right? But mm-hmm. then it's also part of me that goes, I'm really exhausted and I yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, not my 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 job to educate you. You know that right, that model. Right. I mean, as a as a psychologist, yes, you know, it's my job to educate. But like in my personal life, mm-hmm. right, I I don't want to do that. Yeah, right? and I, I think a lot of pe- people of color are kind of forced to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What would you do if you're in that situation? I think if I'm a victim of what's happening. Um, I really would just walk away. Like, I think my fight, flight, freeze is more about flight. Um, when I feel, doesn't feel safe, especially in a privilege standpoint, like I, I, there is like a, a a higher, uh, a hierarchy, uh, in, in play. Like I typically leave, like, uh, especially if I don't have a relationship with that person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I think it, I think the hardest part uh, for this kind of conversation is um, if you're confronting someone that you know that is doing wrong, right, or yeah. someone which is personal to you that you kind of like want to want to have that dialogue, but you have to dance around it because they have a really strong ingrained mindset of like how things should be or like how how their viewpoint is the right viewpoint. Right. Yeah. And like, how do you dance around it? You know, it's, there's, there's this wonderful, wonderful um, article. It's not an article, just like a series of just like writing by this black man. And I, I, I need to like look up his name right now. Are we going to link resources on this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> but like, but, oh man. So um, this, there's this, this is wonderful person here. His name is Daryl Davis, right? He's a blues musician, mm-hmm. and he is um, credited to have kind of shifted the viewpoints of two hundred Klansmen. Oh, oh, oh! I, I remember this. Right. So yeah. this, this black man went into KKK culture and essentially befriended be friends with them, right? Right. And this one point where he. He wear like a robe and participated in their funeral, and mm. it's it's kind of like fighting love, fighting hate with love. Yeah, and it's the I remember one quote is like, "How can you hate me if you don't know me?" Oh yeah, that's a strong one. Yeah, yeah, I remember you saying that. So that's a very that's beautiful. So um, kind of shifting topic a little bit, kind of back to Karen. Some are arguing that Karen is a misogynistic. And racist term in and of itself. Oh, yes, there are a lot of Karens out there <laughs> who's telling us that they're being victimized by being called out as Karens. Now, obviously, just me saying that sounds like I'm kind of biased, and I am kind of biased. Yeah. Know? But what do you think? Do you think the word Karen is misogynistic or racist in and of itself? 
I think I think the history of memes, like I think not in 2020, maybe like in 2019, I don't know. Mm. Um, I think the idea of Karen is like you can make fun of yourself as Karen. You know, oh, I'm I'm a Karen because I did that thing. Or like, um, uh, or or like having memes of like the dog, like telling the owner, "Oh, Karen, don't do this." Like the dog mm-hmm. owner. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's like more of a fun term, but mm-hmm. I think the last couple of months makes it to be like the term to be a little bit more serious, and it has a different meaning around it because of all these things that's happening um, uh, around uh, Black Lives Matter, and I think I think it's important to differentiate that like your name doesn't define who you are. It's your actions that define who you are. Um, so um, it, it is, it is important to kind of like fight that piece. Like it would be really sad if Lee is, is like, you know, like the name Lee is not a good name or like the name I, Diana. I'm is not okay good with name. that. I would just, I'll donate my name for the, for the goodness of humankind. Right. <laughs> But no, but I'm not talking about just people who are named Karen, right? There are articles, right? Uh, oh my god, I think I read one recently in New York Times. Of uh, it was written by a white woman saying how like the word Karen to her is similar to the N word, mm. right? And how Karen to her is misogynistic and is used to uh, denigrate women. Right. Of course, her name is not Karen. It's something else, right? Okay. But that's what she's arguing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about I, that? So, you know, in the treatment standpoint, you always want to start with assessment and awareness. Oh, yes. More so if, 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 if a person is not aware of the issue or the issue is not named, it's so much harder to um, treat it or tackle it. Uh-huh. And so in some ways, I... I'm glad that we have this common term that we could say, oh, when I say Karen and when you say Karen or Kevin, we know what it means. There's a, a, a you know, like there is a the common knowledge of what it means in the dictionary, you know, like the urban dictionary, maybe. Um, is this definition, do you feel this definition is misogynistic or racist against white people? Mm. Man, this is a hard one. It is a hard one, yeah. I, I think know. if we do, if we focus on the actions, it's easier actions. to say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, I agree with you. I, I, I do think I, I personally do not believe is a racist term. Right. Okay. It's a term used to call out racism. Yes. Right. It's a term to call out privilege, and it's a term to kind of call out uh, white victimization. Yes. Right? When talk white victimization, we we'll talk about like Edmund Till, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of weaponizing whiteness, right? And it's it's we are we have see we're seeing um, white women using this and capture on camera. And that's why we're having all these like barbecue Becky's, you know, Amy Cooper situation because mm-hmm. people are paying attention to it right now and it's noticing that oh my god, this is a problem. Whereas say five years ago, a white woman would call the cops on a black person. Mm-hmm. Right. And no one's going to bat an eye. Of course. Why would you not call a cop? Right. Yeah. But now we're like, oh, there are severe cultural, you know, ethical consequences when that happens and because mm-hmm. of the level of police brutality we're seeing. So I 
do not think the term is the term Karen is misogynistic or sexist. I actually very much appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if I go back to China, and then I know <laughs> I I go to like somewhere that's kind of rural, and I'm a dick to everybody. I might be a Karen too. You you could be a Dai Ma. I can be a Dai Ma as well, right? <laughs> so I mean, there's a little bit of Karen in all of us. Maybe like it's a spectrum. It's a, it, I think Karenness is a spectrum. Okay, that's my new paper. We can work on together the Karen spectrum. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for listening. You heard it here first in the Karen spectrum. If any questions, please email us. We'd love to talk to you more next week. All right, yes, and please subscribe if you love this podcast and tell your friends about us because we would love to share our knowledge. So goodbye, everyone, and we'll see you. We deserve. Again. To be, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Never mind. Go ahead. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>